Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Hey guys, it's uh, Jordan from Dumpster Fire Cinema. I once again posted a tweet about whoever would be our 400th follower. We would do a shout out on our next recording and that is this. So the lucky 400th follower was Box Office Beats Pod um, from our brothers and sisters in Canada. I'm just kidding. In Canada. Um, it's so sorry. <laughs> so I listened to the David Bowie episode and it's a lot of fun. I mean, these guys, these guys have a lot of fun talking about the music. And what's cool about this is that they play um, clips from the songs. And for me, they played, um, I think they played one from A Knight's Tale and they played one from Inglorious Bastards. They, they did several ones, but those were my favorites. And when they played them, I was like, yeah, and just singing along and, and beatboxing along. Not beatboxing, I can't beatbox. Anyway, it's a really cool concept. Basically, they talk about songs that are in movies and they discuss the movies, but they discuss the artist or the band or whatever. Now, I know not every episode is an individual artist. I know they have some that have to do with like horror, some that have to do with like a montage. Um, and so it's just it's just a cool idea. Um, I love listening. I love listening to their accents, especially when they say buoy. It makes me giggle. They said David Bowie. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love it. It's so cool. <laughs> um, and especially since, you know, we talk about music a lot on our on our podcast. And, and so music has a special place in my heart when it comes to the movie. So definitely check these guys out. Um, they have a website. It's bowbeatspod.com. That's B O beatspod.com um you can also find them on twitter at bowbeatspod so definitely check them out i think they're on episode like 13 or something like that so thanks for following along yeah thanks a lot guys bowbeats we love you we love you thanks okay you ready for another fucking amazing episode have you uh did you watch any altered carbon no what it looks like blade runner yeah well it's not like blade runner it's fucking good Wow, that's wow. I don't hate Blade Runner, but it is the most boring of the classic sci-fi movies. Okay, yeah, for sure. Twenty forty nine was so slow. I couldn't finish it. So slow. I turned it off. It's so like bland. It's just bland. Everything looks like shit. Everything's got a fucking booger on it. It looks. What like. the hell? <laughs> Everything's a little greener than it should be. <laughs> Migs. <laughs> oh God! You made the noise. Let's get this dumpster fire started, okay? <laughs> Hello, Aaron. <laughs> Hello, Jordan. Hey, we're Dumpster Fire Cinema. Thank yeah. you for listening to us. Here we are <laughs> again. Yes, we are here to review movies that we love. And today we are going to be talking about Silence of the Lambs. Yes. 
which I actually was thinking about it. This is one of the, this is actually like the most serious movie that we have covered. Yeah, I think it might be. Yep. Every other movie that we've done has been a comedy of sorts. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Fifth so, Element was was an action, but oh no, it, it was it was comedy. Come on, Ruby Rod. No, well, okay, it had elements of comedy sure, in sure. it. Get it? Elements. Oh, it certainly didn't take itself seriously. Yes, this is this is true. Um, but yeah, so uh, Silence of the Lambs came out in 1991. It actually came out on Valentine's Day. Oh, did it? I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. So imagine imagine taking your sweetheart to go see Silence of the Lambs. Uh, my girlfriend went with her mom when it was in the theater. Oh, my God. Uh, she told me last night that that's when the birds and the bees got explained to her because she went home with her mom and asked her what it was Migs threw at Clarice. And so she got the Gross. talk right then and there. That's interesting. See, I was only two when this movie came out. Yeah, only two. Huh? I was only two. So my parents, and it's, I didn't actually see this movie until probably about three years ago. Really? I was too scared. I was too freaking scared. It looked terrifying. It just was not, I mean, I didn't see The Exorcist until probably five years ago. Really? Yeah. Huh. I just, in my mind, it was built up to be this horrifying scary thing and i didn't want to like subject myself to that so i just avoided it altogether. but then when i finally watched silence of the lambs i was like oh yeah this is more of a thriller than it is a horror movie and it's not that we've just become accustomed to movies like that it really was that way back when it came out too everyone made this big deal about it like yeah. it was this just disturbing movie and it, it really wasn't not not even by the standards of the day I mean, well, I guess it was kind of uh, on the gory side, but really, I remember being underwhelmed when I finally They hadn't really saw it. explored the idea of a cannibal in a movie before then. Not that I can, not that I can really think of. We it's, already had Cannibal Holocaust. Cannibal now, Holocaust. Now that wasn't a mainstream movie by any means, but it was out there. What is it? You've never seen Cannibal Holocaust? No. Cannibal Holocaust is a is a cult classic gore film it was made in the 70s and it was a found footage film maybe the first found footage film this group of journalists goes out into the jungle and they spoiler alert they get eaten and it's a very gory movie like they it's it's known for for having really intense special effects and huh. uh actual live animal slaughter which is kind of awful very oh. awful. I, yeah, that's kind of the reason why it doesn't have the cult status of other gore movies. Because people do not fuck around when it comes to killing animals. No, they don't. It's a very good reason not to watch that movie. Yeah. If if you can't simulate that, then you're not a good filmmaker. Well, this movie was directed by Jonathan Demme. Um, and he did The Manchurian Candidate. He did Philadelphia. He did Married to the Mob, which... Three movies I have never seen. Oh, oh, Manchurian Candidate. You have to watch it. It's, it's I've seen portions of awesome. Manchurian Candidate. Denzel Washington. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I, I liked what I saw, but I had other things to do. The screenplay was written by Ted Talley. More recently, he did 12 Strong, which has Chris Hemsworth. It's about the guys who got sent out first after 9-11 happened. And then um, he did All the Pretty Horses, which is Matt Damon and Penelope Cruz. I don't know. Never think, seen it. I, I haven't seen either. Um, but he also did Red Dragon. Ah, love Red Dragon. Yeah. Which, if you are a Thomas Harris fan, 
um, you know that Red Dragon is first. Yeah. Um, Red Dragon is Will Graham chasing down um, the, Red the Red Dragon. Played by Ray Fiennes. Oh, it's such a good movie. Yeah. And it's also a remake of Manhunter, which was the first movie ever made in the Hannibal Lecter universe. This is true. Which I've seen, and it's it's very good. Yeah. I told you before we were recording that I had to drop a bombshell on you in this episode. Oh, yeah. And that is that uh, Silence of the Lambs is not my favorite Hannibal Lecter movie. Red Dragon is. I think I would have to agree with you. Yeah. I prefer Will Graham to Clarice Starling. Yes. I don't know what it is. I think Will Graham, he's just such a compelling character to me. And every time that he's adapted to a different kind of screenplay, he just gets more and more interesting. Silence of the Lambs was written by Thomas Harris, um, who is a notorious... Talking about the novels. About the novels, yes. Um, And I... It is actually, it's really sad. Um, Silence of the Lambs is on my list of books that I started but never finished because I'm a loser. Hmm. Um, I think I got about halfway through, but I would highly recommend it. It's an easy read. It goes like a cop procedural, but it's not so overly complicated that you're like, wait, what did I just read? Um, So I would recommend going to read them. Start with Red Dragon first and then go to Silence of the Lambs. Don't be like me and and start with Silence of the Lambs. Uh, I I did not read the book. I read a few chapters in 10 years ago. I haven't read any of Thomas Harris's work at all. Yeah. Uh, Not really my jam. I've never been into the mysteries. It's just me. Um, You know, he's a notorious recluse. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. He just doesn't come out and go to fan events or he wasn't really, he wasn't part of the movie. They asked him to be a part of it and he politely declined, but then he sent them a case of wine um, and told them good luck with the movie. So this movie, it won best picture, best actor in a leading role for Anthony Hopkins. Yes. Best actress in a leading role, Jodie Foster, best director, best writing. It had 54 wins. Golden Globes, Academy Awards. It Did it a- win an AVN for the cum shot? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I don't, Sorry. I, I'll have to look that up. I don't know. I doubt I know. it. I have my doubts. But it, it should have been nominated for sure. Absolutely. Um, I mean, Migs, he's got great aim. It was like... Pfft. See, I remember... When I was a kid watching this movie, I totally, I knew what had happened, but I didn't see it. I guess it was because I watched it on VHS and it was an old shitty VHS tape. Yeah. I didn't see this in the theater. Uh, but now that I've seen it in Blu-ray, 1080p, <laughs> you can you can see the whole splatter and everything. It's glorious. <laughs> there was something that I read about how basically they nominated him for an Academy Award after watching him. Like that very first scene, they nominated him. Really? Mm-hmm. Because he's fucking. Why fantastic. didn't they watch the whole movie? Well, they did. I'm just saying. Within 24 minutes of watching the movie, they were like, "Yep, he's gonna. We're gonna nominate him for an award because it's mm. fucking Anthony Hopkins." He was fantastic. Was he Sir Anthony Hopkins? Sir I'm sorry. Anthony Hopkins. Fucking That's Sir right. Anthony Hopkins. That's right. A fucking legend. Yes. By the way, amazing. One of the best actors alive. Maybe. The best actor alive. There's not a movie that I've seen him in that I'm like, that wasn't a good performance by him. He gives 100% to every single movie that he does, even if he's yeah. in it for half a second. Yeah. He's he's so great. Like more recently, um, Westworld. Westworld. Yes. Oh my gosh. He is he's amazing. just phenomenal. And 
like every time I watch him, I mean, he's just, he's very creepy, but at the same time, you're just, you don't want him to leave. You want to watch him for the whole show. Yeah. I've always wanted him to be like a rich uncle. <laughs> that gives God, me could money. Could you imagine and... hanging out with Anthony Hopkins? Oh no! Even just to see him in person would be so fucking surreal. I know. Just because he's he's got a look, you know. It's like one time I was in Austin and I saw Lyle Lovett, and <laughs> he's got a very distinct look. It, yeah, it's hideous, but it's so weird to see a person with that recognizable of a face in person. And I think Anthony Hopkins would just be. I mean, I think I'd have to do like a quadruple take. I mean, I think so too. Yeah, you just wouldn't expect. I it. probably would be tongue tied. I don't. I don't even know what I would say. I, I think I just would stare from afar. Like I don't know. Yeah. No, I certainly wouldn't uh, dare approach Sir Anthony Hopkins. No. <laughs> you know, he composed his own orchestral piece, like all the way through. It's actually on YouTube. You can look it up. And a conductor plays it for him and he's just sitting there listening to it and like you see tears in his eyes and you're just like, oh, what can this guy like not do? I want to see something he's bad at. Like, is he really bad at making dinner? Is he really bad at, <laughs> I don't know, mowing the lawn? Like, I just want to know that if he, that he's bad at something. I bet I can flip bottles better than him. <laughs> I bet I can fidget spin better than he can. I bet. I can blow bigger vape clouds than I was Anthony Hopkins. Just about to say that. Get out of my head. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but then we've got Jodie Foster, who is phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, just again, she's another one of those people where not every one of her movies is a winner in my book, but she's always a great actress in everything that she does. Again, you don't see contact. Her- Oh, Jesus, man. That's probably so good. my favorite Jodie Foster. Yeah, it's movie. definitely my favorite Jodie Foster. Well, my favorite Jodie Foster performance. This is my favorite movie with Jodie Foster in it. But it's it's really, did you it's see, only facing competition from contact, if I'm being honest with you. Did you see Panic Room? No, I didn't see Panic okay. Room. Okay, I would really recommend seeing that one because it's a edgier seat type of thing plus yeah. plus you've got jared leto and dread so um and then you've got ted levine who plays buffalo bill aka jamie gum do you think that he has ever gotten away from playing buffalo bill like because i've seen him he was like in shutter island he was in wild wild west he was in the fast of the furious like he's done he's got a very large repertoire but in my mind i'm going you'll just always You'll, I'll always see Buffalo Bill every time that I look at you. I just can't get away from it. Yeah, I think that Anthony Hopkins probably has suffered from that same thing, too. Well, He managed to get beyond it, but I think yeah. he's probably still best known as Hannibal Lecter. This is true. I mean, he did a lot of research for this part. I mean, insofar as, you know, he studied case files, you know, he based a lot of his movements and the fact that he never blinked if you watch it he hardly ever blinks and he based that on the fact that on reptiles reptiles only they conscientiously blink they they do it on purpose they don't it's not a involuntary thing and so i feel like for ted levine playing buffalo bill like it's just very like he was very good very convincing as a psychopath uh Mm. the voice was really weird that's his that's just his regular voice Everything I've ever seen him in, that's just how, that's just the tenor of his voice is what it is. That's kind of like a Thomas Hayden Church kind of the same thing going on. Yeah, just a very low kind of, I don't even know how to describe it. It's very It's got to be regional, huh? 
possibly. Maybe. It's possible. Um, so this movie had a $19 million budget. It surpassed that within the first week. Really? Uh-huh. There was a $130 million gross in the USA when it was released, and then a $272 million worldwide. Uh, Take. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, it was, it was huge. Generated by a lot of controversy. Uh-huh. I wonder if this movie would have been seen if it wasn't for the controversy that it did not deserve surrounding it. Controversy? Oh, yeah. Like what? This movie was very controversial. When it well, ca- when it came okay, out, people true. people were saying that it was so violent and so dark and it it was like the movie that you didn't let your kids see. Yeah. It was it was like that and that's why we all watched it as kids because it was hyped up so much. That's true. And it was a big letdown because there was really not much reason for it. Well, letdown is in. It's not as gory and violent as everyone it's, says it is. It is not deserving of the controversy. It is deserving of a lot of praise because it's a fucking fantastic movie. Well, even with the the blood or the gore or the violence, whatever it is, it's all very um, intelligently placed. Yeah. Like, it's not overdone. You don't see a bunch of people being killed. Most of the time you see people post-mortem. Yeah. You know, and yes, you do see crime scene photos and you see clippings and, and there's stuff that kind of, but I am sad to say that I'm actually desensitized to that stuff because I've exposed myself to watching like CSI and Criminal Minds and, you know, I don't, you probably know this about me already, Aaron, but I am obsessed with true crime murder podcasts. So me too. I, on a daily basis hear about people dying yeah. and i'm sitting there going oh it's so Same interesting here. i need to listen i need to and i'm yep. sure that in some way that desensitizes me to seeing dead bodies on screen and being like oh that's so terrible like in my mind i'm like oh yeah that's that person is so dead what happened to him i need to know well and the thing is is that there were worse movies out there than this i mean before i saw before this film even came out I had already seen Dawn of the Dead, Day of the oh, Dead. Yeah. Both are way more gory than this. Yeah. Uh, was Eraserhead prior to this movie? I think so. It's. I yeah, know maybe. Scanners came out before this movie. Yeah, I don't Horror think movies. that it was any grosser than a lot of even popular movies that were out at the time. Just the buzz about Silence of the Lambs probably did it a lot of good because this might have been a movie that fell under the radar. Well, the fact that you have those huge names that are supporting it. I mean... But were they huge at the time? Yes. Anthony Hopkins had been doing movies, oh God, since the 70s by that point. Yeah. Jodie Foster was a child star, but you know, she also had a stalker. Oh, really? Yes, she did. You didn't know about that? Uh, No. Yeah, she had a stalker and... But I mean, it was a big deal. And I think she was still a teenager at that point. Like she was a young, young girl, which is interesting to me that she chooses to do the movies that she does and i know like as an actress or as somebody who is out front in the media you can't let that stuff stop you from doing your best work because obviously it paid off in the end i mean she won an academy award she won a golden globe award i mean she's this this did wonders for her um career but in my mind i'm going i don't know and maybe it fueled it maybe it fueled you know, having a stalker and dealing with all of that kind of fueled her desire to want to do roles like this because she kind of understands the the fear that goes into it. Maybe so. Maybe she was able to draw on that as she played Clarice. Yeah. 
Possibly. Yeah, maybe. So the movie starts out with Clarice Starling running through the FBI Quantico. She's doing the obstacle course and then she gets called off by an agent saying that Crawford wants to see her. We meet the infamous Jack Crawford, who I guess is a very high up, important person in the agency. We, there's not a whole lot of background given to Jack Crawford, except that he's... He's well-respected. He's well-respected, yes. We see all the news clippings about a serial killer named Buffalo Bill. There's information about how he's killing and skinning women and, and how they're, you know, coming up on in rivers. And it's very, very disturbing. He was inspired by real-life serial killers Ed Gein, who skinned his victims. Um, Ted Bundy, who lured women in with the whole cast thing, which Buffalo yeah. Bill does. Um, and then Gary Heidnick, who kidnapped women and kept them in a pit in his basement. So he was a amalgamation of all of those serial killers, which is terrifying to yeah. me. Then Jack Crawford comes in, and she's top of her class. She's very intelligent. She's just this plucky up-and-coming, really wants to be in the behavioral studies unit of the FBI, um, which just interesting little notes. The FBI had, I mean, they gave their full cooperation I mean, they were very excited about, first of all, having a positive light on the Federal Bureau of Investigation because nobody likes the feds. And it also was, they saw it as a recruitment for more women feds yeah. because there weren't very many during that time. And so they they wanted to really give all of their resources to this. The Library of Congress, they put this in the National Film Registry in December 2011 for being culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. I think it totally is. Uh, this film handled women in law enforcement very head-on. Cassie Lemons played uh, Clarice's friend, yes. another woman in the FBI. Uh, even at the time this was out, that, that seemed a little bit outlandish. Yeah, and yeah. she's a woman of color. Oh, yeah, so that's that was, right. That's a big very deal. Um, and so they just saw it as, I mean, they, they really wanted to put a positive light on it, and so they just let them use the facilities. They let them have um, access to to forensic files and, and information about serial killers and I mean just yeah. all sorts of stuff so people could actually portray this in an accurate way which I think is super cool because a lot of times you look at cop procedurals and you're like that's not real like they they can't do that that's and it takes you out of it because you just you're like oh lame how do okay whatever you just took me out of it and I don't believe anything that you're saying to me right now and this movie is is very realistic, very mm -hmm. grounded film. Uh, and I think, you know, even though Hannibal Lecter is portrayed as this super genius, he's not in any way um, supernatural. There's not a whole lot of, like, bright colors. It's no, very muted. Very dark. It's very... It just sets the tone from the very beginning. I mean, you're in the woods and there's no sunlight. Just coming in, you know what you're getting into. And like the titles are simplistic. There's no special effects. There's just, yeah. it's just very bare bones. Here's this movie. And I think that's what's so interesting about it. You know, it again, there's not, I mean, obviously there was a lot that went into it, but there just wasn't a ton of just flash flash here look at this let me impress you with my cgi skills like it just was all the actors and the story and the yeah. writing um and so i think that 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 speaks for itself you don't need all of the flashbang to to make a good movie you just yeah. need a good story and good, good story actors. and and yeah and and they did they had they kind of had everything they needed they had great cinematographers there were interesting shots in this movie it was shot a little bit differently 
than everything else that was out at the time. Well, interesting you're talking about the cinematography. The way that Jonathan Demme actually kind of um, shot was any time that people were talking to Clarice, they were staring right into the camera as if you were her. So that way it was easier to identify with her. It's disturbing because you have Hannibal Lecter, you have um, Buffalo Bill, you have other characters staring directly into the camera at you. But you're in kind of the place of Clarice. It's just very, very interesting. And you don't see that a whole lot anymore. Yeah. Um, director's always trying to do, like, fancy angles. Well, and you're just... never supposed to look into the camera. That's no. like a cardinal sin now. Well, it, it kind of, it breaks the fourth wall. Yeah. Because you are suddenly very aware that you're being, quote-unquote, looked at. It was used to great effect in this film. Yeah. And, oh, you know, yeah. it's not something that I want to see a lot of films do, but... Every now and then it's okay, and, yeah. and it was okay here. So anyway, we go back to Jack Crawford, and he is talking to Clarice and just basically like, I have a special assignment for you. Do you spook easily? And that kind of, that to me, like, makes your stomach instantly tighten up because you're like, what do you, why? And he sends her to go talk to Hannibal Lecter. Dr. Hannibal Lecter, who was a very well-to-do, very cultured, very intelligent psychiatrist until he was caught by Will Graham um, for being a cannibal. But not just a cannibal. He would prepare lovely dishes uh, with, you know, fine truffles and pair them with wine and eat your liver with uh, farva beans and a nice Chianti (laughs) and serve you to uh, his friends as well. Yeah. You don't have any background on Hannibal Lecter. All you know is, is that whenever Crawford asks or tells Clarice that she's going to go interview him, she goes, Hannibal the cannibal. She's familiar with him. Everybody is. Yeah. I mean, that was. She doesn't seem intimidated either. Interested. She's yeah, she is interested. I think I mean, there are some nerves there. Sure. But it's not until she actually goes to the prison to meet Hannibal Lecter that you see all of the nerves come out. Before you, I'm sorry, I made that noise because you're introduced to Frederick Chilton, who is Doctor Chilton, a creep. He's a boy. Did they go fucking nuts with Doctor Chilton on the TV show? Oh, holy shit! Uh, Because Raúl Esparza is freaking fantastic. Yes, I'm so glad that they cast him as Chilton. I was I was very wary about who they were going to pick, and when I saw it was Raul, I was like, "Oh yes, he's totally Chilton." I didn't know him before that. He was fantastic in the show. Well, I knew him. Everybody was. For, I knew him from Broadway shows. Ah, he's he's musically very musically inclined. Yeah, Chilton is just this creepy head of the psychiatric ward, just basically out for himself like he doesn't care one iota about anyone but number one and you can just see it on his face like he just he instantly hits on Clarice he's just this scuzzy big teeth jerk egomania yeah yeah tries to take credit for other people's achievements he's just a real dick and it's kind of amazing that they managed to make a character that you really do hate why you kind of like the cannibalistic serial killer. Yeah, you actually kind of feel sorry for him because you're like, man, you have to be in here with children. With this asshole. God. This guy, this guy tore a nurse to shreds. They couldn't find one of her eyes. Yeah. But I still think Chilton's a bigger dick. 
know. You know? I know. And you just, you're like, oh, I hope Hannibal gets the transfer. Right. So you can get away from <laughs> I want Chilton. Him, I want him to get away from Chilton and yeah. go hang out on the beach. This scumbag psychopath. I'm trying to remember the exact rules that they gave to Clarice for going to see Hannibal. First of all, you can't give him anything. You can't receive anything from him, even if he offers it to you. Um, You can't give him a pen. You can't give him a pencil. Anything sharp you cannot give to him because he will use it. You can't touch the glass or touch the the screen that he's in. Don't approach the glass. Don't approach the glass. There's, there's just all of these rules that just set you up for this, like, gut-wrenching, like, oh my gosh, what are we about to go into type of feeling because you know what Anthony Hopkins looks like, but you ha- you have not seen him up to this point. And right. so for me watching the movie for the first time, I'm, I'm like, breathing deeply and I'm just like, okay, okay, this guy, uh, oh my God. So... And I'd like to point out that Clarice pretty much breaks all but one or two of these rules Very true. immediately. Yeah. Yeah, because I just think for her, she had to break those rules to get the answers that she wanted from Hannibal Lecter. Otherwise, he wouldn't have given her anything. I think he was in her head from minute one. Well, of course she would have done anything he asked her to. Well, of course, because I mean, and that's the way that Anthony Hopkins wanted Hannibal Lecter to be portrayed is that the very first second you see him standing in his cell, he knows absolutely everything. Yeah. He's almost this omnipotent kind of character. Sure. When you sense. see him, he looks very normal, except for the fact that he doesn't freaking blink. But he looks very normal. Just if he wasn't in a prison cell, you might would think that he's just uh, an old man, just a very cultured old man. His accent, he said, is a mixture of Catherine Hepburn and Truman Capote. Really? You can kind of hear both of those aspects. But I do not hear any Capote in there. I kind of do a little bit. Mm. A little bit. She finally meets him. And it's like you said, he knows what the jig is from the very, very beginning. Like, it's not about him filling out some forms. They want him to help out with the Buffalo Bill case because they've run out of leads they don't know where to look they don't know who they're looking for and so Clarice doesn't know this going in she just thinks she's there to ask him a couple questions but he knows and the FBI wants a profile yes they want him to psychoanalyze the killer and try and come up with some way to identify Buffalo Bill well and even though Hannibal Lecter is a a true sociopath as they say He's also a highly renowned psychiatrist. So you can't you can't just overlook that when you're trying right. to find another serial killer. I mean, you'd be stupid not to tap into that yeah. resource. So which is exactly what Jack Crawford is thinking. You know, here is this psycho that can think like a psycho and I need him to find this other psycho. Where's Will Graham during all of this? He's not mentioned. He's not mentioned, and I and I think they do that on purpose because... Well, I don't well, think they mentioned him on purpose because they never thought there would be more movies. And Will Graham already had his movie yes. in Manhunter. So it seems kind of weird that they wouldn't at least bring him up. Because we did see Hannibal get caught already on film. This is true. But nobody saw Manhunter. Nobody yeah. knew about that movie. Which has Bill Peterson, by the way, from CSI. Really? Who plays Gil Grissom. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Very, very young Bill Peterson. Yeah. And he's he's awesome. He's an awesome Will Graham. 
DeLaurinitis is the producer. They did Manhunter and it flopped, which is why I don't think they produced Silence of the Lambs because Manhunter failed. But it's interesting because they went on to produce the Hannibal TV show. Oh, really? Martha DeLaurinitis. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. She yeah. went on to produce it. So I think that's a cool kind of correlation that they've kind of kept the um, Hannibal rights in the family and they've gone on to do other stuff with it. Anyway, so Clarice meets Hannibal and is just instantly intrigued by him and he is instantly intrigued by her not in a I want to eat your face way but in a I want to mess with your mind way because I can get what I want from you which is essentially always Hannibal's MO as a true sociopath I think that he can maybe have feelings about people it's hard to tell but mostly the people that he interacts with they have a purpose in his life and it's usually a very grim one there's not some happy ending that goes with that. I mean, I guess for Clarice, there kind of was a happy ending. Very disturbing. Uh, happy ending. I don't know. From what I understand, using the context provided from the movie Hannibal, mm-hmm. Clarice is basically in the cult of Hannibal at that point. This is true. This is very true. Um, so interesting fact, Jodie Foster didn't speak or hang around Anthony Hopkins because she was scared of him. Really? Mm-hmm. Makes sense. He's fucking intense. He is. And I bet that he stays in character yes. about as much as possible. I'm certain that he's a method actor. Yeah. So it's it's just very, uh, you know, I, I definitely don't, don't blame her for that. Another interesting fact, the whole him imitating her southern accent was, um, was improvised. Really? Mm-hmm. And it was... It was very condescending. It was. As and, a Southerner, it kind of pissed me off. Well, and it's... it. He improvised it, and it scared Jodie Foster, but later on, she thanked him for pulling out a genuine reaction to him. Yeah. Which is just brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah. And it just goes back to the fact that, you know, Clarice is trying to prove herself, and she's trying to come out of this persona of white trash because she is from west virginia yeah and so she's really trying to rise up out of that and he man he needles into her about her daddy being a coal miner and <laughs> you know just all of that all of that stereotypical stuff that comes he just from reads her like a book oh of course basically sherlock holmes is her yeah but it doesn't affect her like i mean I th- it, you see it affect her physically but it doesn't stop her from doing what she's right. supposed to do and i think that speaks a lot to her character because i mean if it were me and he did that i probably would start crying and then he'd be like okay i'm bored of you go away but with her she was just basically like okay you can say whatever you want i have a mission and i'm going to do this because i have a place that i'm trying to get to yeah she's definitely trying to climb up but she is a very well written character. She's intelligent. She is she's very tough. She's got this beauty to her, but she's not like model pretty. Like when you look at somebody that's in a cop procedural and you're like, "Man, you're way too pretty to be in this line of work. Why aren't you like a model?" She looks like she would be more naive than she is in the film. You know, she's got yes. this I mean, they show her they make a they make a great point to show her getting in the elevator with a bunch of guys and she's about a foot shorter than any of them kind of looking around. Yeah. You know, they, they kind of try and make her look meek and small and maybe naive. But of course, she's not. No, she's not. There's not even a little bit. She's quite the opposite. She's very savvy. 
they paint her as being vulnerable, but at the same time, her intelligence and her determination and ambition really overshadow that because she doesn't know what she's getting into. I mean, this is all brand new for Clarice Starling. I mean, she's a cadet. She's never done anything like this before, but now she's getting in head first. And so you see her being scared, but you also see her working through it. The scene where she goes to check out the dead body that they found. There's a new body that's discovered part of the Buffalo Bill case and they go to check out the body and she's very clearly shaken. There is this dead woman on the table. She's all shriveled up. You know, she was skinned. There's parts of her skin missing. Like she just horribly, brutally murdered. And yet she pushes through it using her recorder to talk about the body and and certain things that are missing. And I just love how she perseveres despite her fear and disgust and all of the things that go through it. She powers through it all. Yeah. 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 And it's it's just it just shows Jodie Foster's brilliance to me. I mean, yeah. that's just amazing acting that you can show somebody being vulnerable and strong at the same time. Well, and and also she seemed to be a socially adept person. Yeah. You know, she seems to be able to get along with everybody. She's she kind of just doesn't really have any weaknesses that you can see. Other than, you know, the meekness that they kind of try and pass off on her. Yeah. She knows how to play the game. Yeah. At this point in time, and we talked about this, but this is a man's world. The Federal Bureau of Investigation is a man's world. And so she is really fighting to get that. And you you see that when they, again, when they go see this this newest dead body and all of those patrolmen or all of those those deputies are staring at her. She's standing in a room full of men. And they're all looking at her like she is just this, like she's got two heads. Right. And the whole time I'm going, why are they staring at her like that? Like, it's like they've never seen a woman before. But she just tells them, get the fuck out. We got work to do. Yeah. Go on now. (laughs) (laughs) Go and get. Yeah. (laughs) So before they, um, before they go to see the body, the newest body, Crawford calls Clarice and tells her that Mig's committed suicide in jail and he did it because Hannibal was whispering to him the whole night and I'm sitting there going how evil do you have to be that you can make someone kill themselves I mean good gracious I mean and I he- would love to hear the conversation that made Megs kill himself and of course Hannibal uh made Megs kill himself because he threw <laughs> some jizz on on Clarice uh, on her way out he was just rude Yes. And Clarice is, uses that against him later on, too. Uh, tells him, that sounds like something Miggs would say. And he's like, oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, and it's funny because that's just the common theme for Hannibal Lecter is because he is so cultured, he... He won't tolerate rudeness. He won't tolerate rudeness. He'll eat your fucking face, but he'll be damn nice about it. He will be polite up until you're dead. Yeah. Yeah. Which is... it also a very interesting um layer to his character because in your mind you always think of a serial killer you think of a psychopath being these rude horrible people that have no souls right and i mean hannibal Lecter to me doesn't have a soul but the fact that he is polite about everything he does is just like well for him killing is just a matter of fact i mean he he killed that poor nurse and his heart rate never went above 85 he doesn't think much of it well, killing is just a means to an end for him. It's right. not about the killing. It's about 
And maybe it is, and maybe I'm reading, reading that all wrong, but it's about afterwards. Yes. It's the eating part. Right. That, you know? that's a, that, that is his thing. He eats people. He wouldn't kill people if he wasn't eating them. He's not going to waste good food. You know what I mean? <laughs> In all of this, you are also seeing little snippets of Buffalo Bill. Right. Um, you see him faking the arm injury so that he can get Catherine Martin into the van. And then you see him, um, I don't know, just intermittently, just little little snippets of him. And you, you just are suddenly suddenly very aware that this is not about Hannibal Lecter. It's about Buffalo Bill. Right. And it's interesting to me how Silence of the Lambs, people always think of Hannibal Lecter, but it's not about him. It's about Buffalo Bill. And you see him sewing skin and you see him doing the whole, it puts the lotion on the skin or else it gets the hose again. And which is probably one of the most iconic lines ever in cinema history, other than, you know, I ate his liver with fava beans and a Chianti. But I, whenever I hear people quote that line of putting the lotion on the skin, people always do it like, it puts the lotion on the skin. And I'm like, he says it so calmly, though. Like, it puts the lotion on the skin or else it gets the hose again. Like, he's just very He's, he's got the playful. little poodle. Mm-hmm. Hannibal says that he thinks he's a full transsexual, but he's not. Yeah. Which is weird. Uh, but he does definitely, uh, well... He has the the wonderful dance scene to uh, Goodbye Horses by Q Lazarus. Do you know about Q Lazarus? No. It's a, it's a woman singing oh, really? that song. Yeah. Doesn't sound like a woman at all, but she's basically, she was a one-hit wonder. That song's been used in a couple of movies, but it's basically the only track that she was ever famous for. She's a New Yorker. I think she drives a taxi now. But it's a fucking disturbing song. It really is. And I don't know if I would want my fame to be associated with the fact that that's the song that Buffalo Bill danced to yeah. naked. Like, I, I, that, would, that would mess me up, I feel like. Yeah, and I, I don't know if that's why she got out of the business, but she just really did that, and that was it. And uh, no, it's it's kind of the perfect song, isn't it? It kind of is. It, for for that scene. Yeah. Now, you know that dance was actually not in the original screenplay. Ted Levine wanted to put it in because he thought that it would build up his character. And it was brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant stroke because it everybody was remembers. creepy. Yes. Because I mean, he's, he's wearing that that scalp. He's yeah. wearing that woman's scalp. He's wearing her hair. hair. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. He's got his kimono on. He gets up close to the camera and you can see him moving around down there. Then he backs up. He's fully tucked. (laughs) That had not been done. No. At that point. It had not. Maybe that's the scene that caused all the controversy. I don't know. Maybe. It was was pretty fucked up. Yeah, I mean, he's... I mean, this was like four or five years before Sharon Stone... And the basic instinct thing. Yeah. So I think this might have been as hardcore as it got back then. Well, not only is he sitting there dancing in front of a camera naked and basically just being as creepy as hell. But then you've got Catherine Martin in a freaking basement pit screaming for help. Well, actually, at that time, she's trying to get Precious to to get the bone. Right. So that she can grab Precious and kind of find a way to negotiate her way out, which doesn't happen because she's stupid. Right. I hated her. I'm sorry. I just thought she, I thought she was great. I love the way they introduced her. She's driving the car. She's singing American Girl by Tom Petty. Yeah. I don't know. I thought she was kind of I thought it was kind of endearing, you know. She She just was annoying. Like she just 
She screamed oh, and oh, yeah. screamed. So, and So Buffalo Bill is trying to kidnap fat girls because he wants to starve them so their skin gets loose so he can carve them up and make yeah. his suit, which Ugh. is fucking batshit. And we do get to see the suit near the end. Yeah, but it's not it's not complete. No, but it's no. just it's a partial. He's killed but... five girls. Uh-huh. And and of course, um, this is a sixth that he's got. Yeah. And he's trying to build a skin suit. Yeah. Ed Gein style. And uh, whoo. Gross. Gross. OK, see, but this is the thing. When you watch movies like this or you read or you listen to podcasts, I'm sitting there going, what kind of needle would you use to sew skin? And I, like I instantly, I'm like, why did I think that? Oh my gosh! <laughs> like, oh, erase that from my mind. Well, he was mind. using a sewing machine. He was. Yeah. Yeah. Well. You'd probably use the same kind of needle that you would use for leather. Yeah. It's oh, probably the I'm same sure. same consistency, same thickness. You know, you could buy uh, wallets made out of human flesh. I don't know if that's real. Well, they have real ones, but they're very expensive. But they do have a cheaper alternative. You could buy imitation human leather. What? <laughs> How? What is it made out of? I would assume pig. Gross. Why? Who? Who would do that? The Chinese. <laughs> That's who's actually doing it. You have to get them from China. If you want body parts, China is your place to go. So a couple interesting facts about the moths that were used. Now, the one that they took out of the girl's throat that was actually made out of tootsie rolls and gummy bears so that if it got swallowed she wouldn't you know choke and or vomit because it was an actual moth cocoon right um now they call it the death's head moth now there's not they don't have the actual skull and crossbones that's not an actual thing they're called the tobacco hornworm moth Hmm. Um, they were used throughout the film. They were given celebrity treatment. They were flown in first class on a special carrier. They had special living quarters that had controlled humidity and heat. And they were dressed in those costumes so that when you see the moths and they have the skull and crossbones on the on their backs, that's like a little little costume for the moths. Oh, yeah. How cute. I know. I kind of put them one. in a little suit. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I kind of so want they one. don't get cold. Well, you you know you can't find moths with actual skull and crossbones on their backs like that. So well, know. yeah, but it was the '80s, man. I'm surprised they didn't just super glue the shit to them. Aww, uh, '80s. They, they probably get... would have died though. Like I, that to me would have been like a huge waste of money. That you're like, oh, we're gonna import these special moths, but then we're gonna super glue stuff to them and kill them. Like hey, they were like that back then. There was literally no protections on the set. Fucking Exorcist Three, they killed like a billion locusts in that movie. Aw. Well, okay, Lucas. I mean, yeah. Well, moths suck just as bad as locusts suck. <laughs> I mean, if we're being honest here. Yeah. Fuck a moth. Stupid fucks. <laughs> Always trying to bump into the lights and shit. What? Always eating through my clothes. Yeah. Fucking idiots. <laughs> so then we we see Clarice go back to see Hannibal and she offers him this deal that she's going to get him a transfer with a view then once a week every year he can go to this special beach to get in the water and blah 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 it was Um, all a lie it was all a lie but it worked in the fact that he gave her information about buffalo bill and, and the kind of person that he is now the other interesting thing is that 
he tells her he wants to do a quid pro quo, if I could say that correctly. So every time he gives her info, he wants to know a thing about her, about her childhood. Right. Um, then we find out about her dad dying, you know, being shot and going to live with the, these ranchers. And it's interesting to me, and I don't know if you noticed this, but every time he asks her a personal question, he doesn't look at her. He always turns away. Even when she answers, he doesn't look at her. They made a point of having her friend in the FBI mention when they're watching Catherine Martin's mother talk to the news, she's given a press conference. Uh She keeps saying her name and they say that the reason why uh, they say her name is to humanize her Mm -hmm. so that maybe Buffalo Bill won't kill her. And I wonder if Hannibal Lecter isn't asking her these questions so that she is humanized to him so that he can resist killing her. Well, I don't actually, I don't think that he has emotions like that. I think to him, it's a way of getting in her head, first of all. And then it's just interesting because when they, when it shows his reaction to what she's saying, it, there's almost like a look of pleasure on his face. Like he's getting what he wants from her. Right. And it's a way to get in her head. Um, it's control tactic. Yes. Yeah. I don't think that there's any kind of emotion where he looks at her as a human. I mean, obviously, by this point, we know he's very interested in her. He's not going to try and kill her at right. any point. Um, but he just. He's a sucker for for a girl, isn't he? Yeah. You think that's what it is? I think it's just somebody who interests him. Somebody but, who. But why would she interest him more than any of the other people in the FBI? Well, because I think she's smarter than everyone else in the FBI. And she's honest with him. She doesn't give him a story. She doesn't try to make herself be this anybody else but herself. And I think to him, that is way more interesting than somebody like Chilton or Crawford, who are just these inflated egos that all all they want is number one. Whereas Clarice is genuinely trying to help this girl. And so she's going to do whatever it takes. And I think to him, that's kind of how his personality is. He's going to do whatever it takes to get to the end. I think he just likes a pretty lady. I think that's what it is. He just likes a pretty girl. He I mean, he hadn't seen a woman in eight years. Well, but he calls Jack Crawford awful. Not awful as in he's a bad person, but awful as in he's just normal. Mm. He's an everyday kind of person. I don't want anything to do with that. Whereas Clarice Starling, she's got a little bit of, you know, she's got a little bit of oomph she's to her. She's a little bit of a novelty item to her, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Um. Oh, yeah. So, okay, so he tells her this information but then fucking Chilton has to ruin it all because he's listening in on the conversation and he's like he goes to Hannibal and says yeah that deal was fake they lied to you you know but I have a new deal for you because I'm a scuzzy scumbag that wants to make everyone unhappy well yeah because Catherine Martin's mother is a U.S. senator yeah Ruth Martin's a senator and um yeah they they find out it was all a lie, and they offered this deal of they're going to move him to a prison in Tennessee, and only if he gives valuable information about Buffalo Bill so that they can find Catherine. If they find her in time, basically. Yeah, if they find her in time. Otherwise, Pretty much the same deal that Clarice gave him, only rather than Anthrax Island, they're going <laughs> to send him to, to an actual facility. Yeah, he probably knew it was fake anyway. I mean, when yeah. he looked at the map, he was just kind of like, "No, he yeah, he knew it was okay. fake." The next time Clarice goes and sees him, he lets on that he he knew about the island the whole time. <laughs> it's just so funny to me that they thought that they could like trick him, 
And I mean, it right. to her, I, I guess she thought that it worked. But then we see the most, in my mind, the most iconic costume of a character that probably has ever been created. And it's the orange jumpsuit with the straight jacket and the mask. Yeah. And it's it's terrifying yep. to me. It is. It's it, terrifying. It is. It, the look that he's got on his face, they've got him on a dolly yeah. and they're wheeling him around. <laughs> yeah. And he's just got this look on his face and it's just, that's that was the, the scene that made Hannibal Lecter, solidified him as a character. This this scene put him up there with Freddy Krueger and Darth Jason, Vader. Darth Vader. This, this made him an iconic villain. And, you know, they tried to do it in every movie that he's been in since then. Mm-hmm. They always put the put him in the on the dolly with the straight jacket and the mask. We go into the scene that probably has the only gore throughout the whole movie. I mean, they, they take him to the only real violence. Yeah. Yeah. They take him to a prison in Baltimore. Um, and it's just this elaborate cell. Like, it's this huge cell in the yeah, middle it's like of a room. The, it's like the cell they put Harley Quinn in on I the know. Suicide Squad. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that that's where they got that idea on Suicide Squad. They were replicating Hannibal Lecter's cell. I didn't think about that. And they also did the same thing in Sin City with uh, Mickey Rourke's character. Oh, they, yeah. they totally did. Yeah. I just want to see Hannibal hanging, doing aerials. <laughs> to, to 21 pilots. <laughs> Yes, that would make my life. And he's just so flexible, Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> All that protein. Anyway, so Clarice comes back as a final, you know, hoping that she can get some information because she knows the information that he gave to um, the senator was was fake. She knows that it's fake. And so she's going to go and see if she can get anything out of him. And he kind of, you know, he eggs her on. She tells the story about her trying to save the lamb. And then we see him attack and eat the face of two guards. Yeah. Just, just, again, watching this as an adult and severely desensitized, this scene still freaked me out because I knew something was going to happen. I'm like, they're concentrating too much on Hannibal right now. What is, what's happening? Um, And I mean, he delivers, honestly, as a villain, he really delivers as far as showing what he can do. Just this intelligent escape and in the aftermath of the original, you know, murders, when the rest of the cops come in there and they find Pembry laying on the ground yeah, and they think he's alive. And one of the cops is like, go talk to him. You know, the cop that he's talking to is like, what do I say? And he's like, it's, it's Pembry. You fucking talk to him. You know, they all knew this guy. This was their colleague. This was a man that they respected. And mm-hmm. I mean, he just got his shit ruined. He totally did. And, and they really did a good job of showing you that this man was cared about. Kind of made it all the more morbid. Of you, course, it it wasn't Pembry. No. No. But it's, it's interesting to me because up until this point, you'd only heard, semi kind of heard about what Hannibal has done. They don't go into right. extreme detail about his killings or what he's done, only that he's a cannibal. And your mind instantly goes to all these horrors of, oh my gosh, who could be like... Whoa. Well, they allude to it. Uh, Dr. Chilton's uh, saying, you should have seen what he did to the last nurse. Right. He shows her a picture. We don't see the photo. No. But he said something about they couldn't even find the other eye. Right. It's kind of elusive at this point. Like, you don't really know a whole lot about him. But this is the scene where it shows his theatricality, his coolness. Because through the whole scene, you know, the guy, Pembry, is like dragging himself away. 
He's just trying to get to the door to get help. And Hannibal's just taking his sweet time. You know, he gets the knife. He's like, whenever you're ready, Sergeant Pemry. And he just walks very slow and deliberately. Like, everything is just calculated. Every word, every footstep is just calculated. And to me, it doesn't disappoint as far as villains go. And so you really just get an eyeful, especially that guy hanging from the cell with his stomach missing, which the show does a tribute to in one of the the episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they do it several times, and yeah. it's it's super cool to me. I'm like I'm just like in praise. Um, the show is fucking amazing. Oh my god, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. So then there's the the epic. You know, all the cops come in with their bulletproof vests and their guns, and they're all sweating, and they're just chasing down one guy. But they bring in the whole freaking town to find this dude, and um, and he pulls the old switcheroo on him. So Pimbry wasn't Pimbry. Pimbry no. was Hannibal. Wearing Pimbry's face. Talk about a literal face mask. Oh yeah, and and uh, yeah, <laughs> and so so he's thrown Pimbry's body on top of the elevator, and they do this really cool scene where everybody's kind of standing around on the bottom floor, and they see the elevator start to go up. Yes. And one of the officers down on the bottom floor sees it and says, "Hey, who's going? Who's going up? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what's going on?" And so they all start getting suspicious because they know that uh, Pembry and whoever the other guy is are up there giving Hannibal his lunch. And then they see it start going down to the third floor. Then they hear gunshots. And at this point, they know that some shit's going down up there. Yeah. So from here on out, like all of the action in this movie plays out in an empty elevator. Yes. Yeah, because they they get in the elevator and they see blood. Right. They see blood and they're like, hey, Hannibal's up there because they think that he's been shot. That he got hit with a bullet. Hannibal changed clothes. Yes. He's wearing the Officer Pembry's uniform and he's put his white jumpsuit on Officer Pembry's body. Yes. Yeah. So then they they open up the elevator hatch, the ceiling door, and he falls through. Now, you don't see his face. You don't see who it is. Right. You just think that it's Hannibal. Well, then they're in the ambulance and they're trying to revive him, make sure that he stays alive. And he pulls off the face gauze, stands up, and then pulls off the Pembry mask. And you're like, oh, shit. It's disgusting. Oh, shit. Yeah. But it's awesome at the same time. Like, you're going, who thinks of this? That's awesome. Yeah. And I I remember at at the time when I watched this movie just thinking that that was the coolest switcheroo of them all. It was. I mean, I was a kid. And I thought that was just so cool. Yeah. First time I was watching it, Hannibal's dead. Oh my gosh, I can't believe Hannibal's dead. This is crazy. And then he takes off the mask and you're just like, oh my gosh. But then they call Clarice and Clarice is worried, thinking that Hannibal's going to come after her. Her friend Ardelia is afraid that Hannibal Lecter might come after her, but she says that she doesn't think he would, that he would consider it rude. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is true. It's true. Turns out to be true. Yeah, then Hannibal Lecter kind of gets put on the back burner and we find out that she's talking it out with Ardelia and she's just kind of like, you know, how how are we going to find Buffalo Bill, blah, blah, blah. They figure out that he knew his first victim, which is why he weighed her down first. Right. Then she goes to Ohio to talk to the family and kind of go through her room to find some clues. And we see that Jack Crawford is on his way to Illinois because they realize that it's Jamie Gum. 
right. who is Buffalo Bill. They do another, like, fake-out, quote-unquote fake-out, because they go to the house in, in Illinois, and at the same time, you see Buffalo Bill having a fight with Catherine Martin because she's got his dog, and she's like, I will kill this dog, you son of a bitch. I'll kill this dog. And he's like, you'll never experience pain like what I'm going to give to you, blah. And the doorbell's ringing, and there's all this chaos. And in your mind, you're thinking, oh, they're going to catch him. But then you find out it's the wrong house. Yeah. You think everyone's at the same place. Right. Like she's at the back door and Crawford's at the front door. Well, we think Clarice is going to see the employer of the first victim. It was a person that she did sewing work for. That's right. That's so right. you think that everybody's, that she's going to see somebody else and that uh, Crawford's about to find Buffalo Bill. There was a cop that went through a, a window. Did yeah. you see that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he just like dove in the window. Busted through. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Wrong house. Yeah, it was the wrong house. It's completely empty. And then we see that Clarice has actually come to the house of Buffalo Bill. Um, how did Jack Crawford know that she was going to his house? He figured out that he had made a mistake and probably was able to surmise that she hadn't. She knew that he was chasing him in Ohio. And, and when he kicked in that door and no one was there, he realized that she was on the right track yeah and so he became worried and of course there were no cell phones back then nope so clarice was uh pretty much on her own sol no way to contact anyone she was up shit's creek well and she makes a point to mention that they're 400 miles away yeah. so even if jack realizes that she's at the right house he's not gonna get there in time to back her up so she's on her own. Right. And you are just instantly filled with this dread of like, oh, no. Just. Yeah. It made me feel a little claustrophobic watching it, knowing that she's just in there fucked. Yeah. And Buffalo Bill has a gun sitting on the table in another room. Yeah. And Clarice, of course, uh, realizes partway through the conversation that she's standing in front of Buffalo Bill. Right. And then they have a chase. They do. She follows him down into the basement. Um, which, fun fact, the FBI, they didn't like that scene because they thought it wasn't procedure for somebody, a new agent like that, to go after a serial killer. But Jonathan Dem explained that it was really the only way to make that happen. She was by herself. What is she going to do? Run away? Well, like, and of course, Clarice, we know she doesn't have any problem taking matters into her own hands. Yes. You know, yeah. she, she's got some piss and vinegar in her. Which she does. I mean, she, she follows him down into that basement. She finds Catherine Martin, who won't shut the hell up, who's screaming her head off. She was really annoying. She was super annoying. And I mean, I guess I get it. If I'd been down yeah, in that pit. Yeah, no, I'm not saying I wouldn't be the same but way. But if she, if, okay, so Clarice is clearly here to help me out. And if she's like, hey, Catherine, be quiet. I have to find this guy. I'm not going to keep yelling. I'm going to be like, all right, I'm going to hush up. Because you don't know what you'd do. I'm just saying. This person is above me. They are very clearly armed. They, they're they saying they're in the FBI, so they I'm thinking they know what they're doing. So they're telling me, they're giving me instructions as to how to save my life. Like, I won't stop screaming. How is that helping? No one. That's helping she's, no one. She's insane at this point i mean she uh they showed earlier in the movie he put the fucking basket down in the hole for her to for her to put the dog in and he has a flashlight in there and she can see 
bloody finger marks on the wall yeah. with like a fingernail stuck in them. <sighs> and at that point, she realizes she's not the first person that's been down in this hole. Yeah. And she, at that point, realizes that she's going to die. Yeah. Well, he's been starving her and, right. you know, she she's in a pit for crying out loud. So I, okay. I, I can kind of see why she would keep screaming, but again, she's in full blown survival mode. She's not so. hearing anything. Anyone's saying, yeah, she just wants the fuck out. Yeah, I get it. So Clarice is going through all the rooms, you know, on high alert, trying to find Buffalo bill. She goes in, she finds a bathroom where she finds the original homeowner is dead in the tub, like has been dead. A long disgusting time. in the tub. Which then he turns off the lights and you see the infrared goggles that he actually has in the very beginning of the movie. Yeah. Um, and he is. He uses them to stalk his prey. Yeah. And it's just so, it's claustrophobic and you don't know what's going to happen. She can't see a thing and she's fallen all over the place and he's like right behind her, like trying to reach out to grab her. And it's just like, <gasps> like this is edge of your seat yeah. stuff because you just don't know what's going to happen. He cocks the hammer back and she hears it and she shoots out the window, which then lights him up and she's able to shoot him and kill Buffalo Bill. Thank goodness. Because, yep. man. Buffalo Bill is dead. <laughs> kind of a short end fight. You know, they usually yeah. drag those things out. I didn't mind it so much. You know, honestly, Buffalo Bill, while he was the, the main bad of this movie, certainly wasn't very interesting. I mean, he was creepy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's actually a really good point, because while, yes, it's not about Hannibal Lecter, it is about Hannibal Lecter. At the it same is time. about Hannibal like, Lecter. Like, you just want to see more of him. Yes. Like, Buffalo Bill dies, and you're like, oh, okay, thank goodness, and, Clarice is safe. And and this is a theme in all these movies, and I yes. would assume in all these books, is you've got these larger-than-life serial killers that are just batshit crazy. They're like image comic villains. Uh, you know, they're yeah. sadistic, like in Red Dragon, uh, the guy likes to cut people's, he kills whole families and he cuts their eyes out and replaces them with, with, uh, mirrors. Yeah. And in Hannibal, it's, you got Mason Verger who kills people and feeds them to his pigs, you know, these big evils. And then you've got this Bond villain in Hannibal Lecter. Who's really, you know, he's the star of the show. Yeah. These movies are about Hannibal Lecter. They're not about Buff. It's not about Buffalo Bill. Buffalo Bill's incidental. He's a plot device. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, you don't see Hannibal Lecter a whole lot. Like, him and Clarice only share four scenes together. He's kind of the jumping off point to all of this. Because without him, well, without him or Clarice, they wouldn't have found Buffalo Bill. He'd still be out there making his skin suit. <laughs> yeah. And it always kind of seems strange to me that at the end... Hannibal Lecter knew who Buffalo Bill was the entire time. Right. It wasn't like he put it together with the case files. He always knew. No. Yeah, he knew who it was. And he was just stringing everybody along. It, he planned everything. He was in control of everything from the transfer to his escape. Well, I think he formulated a plan to escape when he met Clarice. Right. Because he knew that, again, she was going to do whatever it took to find Buffalo Bill, which meant... Making he can a, manipulate her. a quote unquote deal to get him to a different prison, which is going to be the most perfect opportunity to escape. She solves the case, saves Catherine Martin, graduates as a special agent of the FBI. And then she gets a phone call from the illustrious, uh, elusive Hannibal Lecter, who is 
having a friend over for dinner. <laughs> no, he's having a friend for dinner. Oh, right, not over. Right. He's just course. having a friend for dinner. He's having a friend for dinner. Which we see is Chilton. Right. <laughs> Chilton thought that he could escape, but Hannibal was there waiting for him. In a blonde wig. <laughs> he, he knew exactly where Chilton would be. Yep. Yep. And then he walks off into the proverbial sunset, and that's the end of that. Yeah. Okay, so I'm glad we got that shit over with. Silence <laughs> of the Lambs is a good movie, right? It's we, a we great like, movie. We like Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Okay. There's way, way better stuff in the Hannibal Lecter cinematic universe. Ugh. First of all, you've got Red Dragon, yes. which is a fucking amazing movie. It is. It's got Ray Fiennes. It's got Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, it's got... Um, he plays... Uh, Freddie Lounds. Yes, he does play Freddie Lounds. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, and oh, and I love what they did with Freddie Lounds and, and Hannibal. Right. Oh, okay. I loved her. So we've been going on and on and on about this television show called Hannibal, and I'm sure, it's, at least it's I hope, the best fucking show ever made. I hope it's so good that you have watched it or at least heard about it, because let me tell you, your minds will be blown. It is so so fucking good. <sighs> we've got Hugh Dancy. As Will Graham, oh, he's so we've good. got Lawrence Fishburne playing Crawford. Yes. Um, we've got uh, Michael Pitt playing Mason Verger, and he's fantastic. Oh. Do you know Michael Pitt? Yes. From Boardwalk Empire yes, and Funny so Games. Loved yeah. him in Funny Games. Jillian Anderson. Oh. She's so fucking... Okay, so, so Hannibal, the TV show. This is uh, written and directed by Brian Fuller. Yes. Brian Fuller is fucking amazing. If you yes. haven't seen any of his work, he also did American Gods yes. uh, and a billion other things. He's yeah. he's insanely good. He's probably the best director in in television. His his vision is insane. Yes. And insane he's not just a, a director. He's a showrunner. Uh-huh. The way that Stephen Moffat is with Doctor Who. Oh, Mads Mikkelsen. Mads Mikkelsen plays Hannibal. When I first saw that he was going to play Hannibal, I was... A little bit wary. Now, I'd seen him. The very first thing I saw him in was Casino Royale, and he plays a Bond villain, and he's so great. He's fantastic. But when I saw him as Hannibal, I was just like, what is this amazingness? He does an amazing job. I mean, I'm just bummed that he didn't win any awards for that. Yeah, that's a that's a crime. It is that it's they didn't crime. at least get like a Golden Globe for for Man. any. They got absolutely no recognition for this show that was on primetime television. Mm-hmm. That was okay. So when I was a kid, you couldn't show even people shooting each other on TV. They yeah. wouldn't show that. If someone fired a gun, you did not see the gun. If someone was shot, you did not see the impact. Yeah. I quit watching TV and went pretty much exclusively digital several years ago. Yeah. And I started watching TV when Hannibal came out because it was on network TV. And I was like, holy fuck, TV has changed. Okay, first of all, even the most mundane episode of Hannibal is way more disturbing than Silence of the Lambs. They have an episode where they make a guy's insides into a cello. Yes. You see it. You Oh my. Okay. So when I first watched that episode, I had to pause it and walk away. I was just like, what am I watching? I mean, it is just it, but it's beautiful. It is every frame, a painting, just like we've said with other movies. Yes. This show looks so fucking good. Every shot is artwork. Every word is, 
is poetry. It is the best thing I've yes. ever seen. Okay, so the first two seasons are before Red Dragon. So it is the establishing yes. relationship between Will Graham and Hannibal Lecter. And then I think the third season goes into Red Dragon. That's right. Hannibal Lecter spends the entire first season gaslighting the shit out of Will Graham, Aww. who's got this. He is able to basically look at a crime scene and feel what happened in that room. Yes. And because of this, he finds Hannibal's crimes to be fascinating. Yes. I mean, they, they make his spidey senses tingle like nobody else. <laughs> He befriends Hannibal. They're friends. Jack Crawford, played by Lawrence Fishburne, is so good. Oh, he's I mean, so good. that's that's why I was saying earlier that I thought that it that Hannibal should find Jack interesting because he's incredibly interesting. Well, but Jack is a pawn in, in, in the, the TV show. show. Like he yeah. very much is using Jack Crawford to get to Will Graham. Yeah, that's true. Very much. Yeah, this series goes through the books. Yeah, and it it stops. Because NBC, we never get to see Clarice. Dicks. And it can't. It was canceled after three seasons, which there are because I am just tuned into all talks about Hannibal, and there's just all a lot of talks about doing season four, but going through HBO or Netflix or a, just a different network altogether that will let them do whatever they want. Because can you imagine what they would do if they had creative flexibility with HBO? Yeah. They could do whatever they wanted. But and I don't think they really held back all that much. They didn't, which is super surprising for, for... Network TV? Yeah. And I think that has a lot to do with why it got canceled, because they had a lot of controversy. The Boston bombing during the Boston Marathon, they had a similar incident in the episode that came out that very same week. Okay. And that caused yeah. a shitstorm. That the show never quite recovered from. Well, and I, Brian Fuller is, he's a little bit cursed in that way where yes. he's got complete gold in his hands, but it never makes it past like the second or third season. And you're just like, okay, wh who is, what is going on? Because I mean, Brian Fuller just needs to have complete reins to do whatever he wants because I feel like if, if people would just trust him, they would he, he'll take them in the way that he wants to go because Hannibal is worth it. It's yes. on Amazon Prime. Go look it up and watch at least the first episode. You will not be disappointed. It's thrilling. It's suspenseful. The characterizations. I mean, Hugh Dancy's portrayal of Will Graham made me fall in love with Will Graham. It's I amazing. Mean, it made me go back and watch the other Hannibal movies because I wanted to know more about these characters from the source material and so it just ah oh, mind-blowing and that's another thing even if you've seen silence of the lambs and manhunter and red dragon and hannibal and hannibal rising and you didn't like those watch the show yes because it is so far beyond anything they did in any of those movies it's the best show now i'll tell it's you the best hannibal for sure if you are a Thomas Harris fan, there are a lot of things that are not exactly canon. And I will tell you this now, but have an open mind. Think of it as like Brian Fuller writing a Hannibal Lecter fan fiction. Yeah. Have an open mind about it because I had so many arguments with Hannibal fans who were like, this is not canon. This didn't happen, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, but you're missing the point. He's not taking it word for word, verbatim from the books. He's doing his own representation and adaptation of the story. And it's just so well done. So don't get caught up in the canon. Don't get caught up in what's right and what's not. Just 
follow the story and you will love it. I mean, you will be surprised at how much you love it. This made me fall in love with Mads Mikkelsen. I mean, we can go ahead and put him on my bingo board because damn. I mean, he is just phenomenal. You kind of come to a point where you're like, man, I'm I'm empathizing and sympathizing with a cannibal. You watch him prepare lungs in a pan to eat. And they make it look pretty tasty. It made me want to be a cook. (laughs) (laughs) Food is a very big deal in this show. Yes. Uh, The act of cannibalism in this show is is almost romanticized. They even have a whole season where every episode is named after a dish that Hannibal Lecter makes in that episode and feeds to everyone. Yes. Everybody, when, when Hannibal Lecter got caught... A lot of people threw up because he was throwing (laughs) these huge dinner parties. He was a socialite, a very successful socialite, Uh a very rich, uh, respected psychiatrist. We do end the show before we get to the events of Silence of the Lambs, unfortunately. Yes. Now, I am rooting so hard for them to come back with season four because I feel like if they would if they kept going they would introduce a Clarice Starling and I think it would be that was gonna be the next season was it really I would uh, yeah I would suspect so well I think because they just they'd already wrapped up the Mason Verger thing which would have come afterwards if they would have gone in the same order that the films went in right they already did the Red Dragon thing that was the last season the final season which was fucking crazy. Well, because the Red Dragon was played by Richard Armitage, who is so, so great. Yeah. I'm going to go home and rewatch them now. Like, yeah, me it, too. It's going to happen. I totally am too. I'm physically missing it. And that just tells you how good of a show it is that you're sitting here going, oh, I miss, I miss Hannibal. <laughs> Did you know that Brian Fuller wrote the new Star Trek series? Star I Trek Discovery. If you're a Star Trek fan, if you're like a hardcore Trekkie nerd, you might not like it. Because it's very different from Star Trek. Have you watched it? I have not. You it, know he's doing an interview with the Vampire series. Oh, no. <laughs> I knew you wouldn't be excited about that, but uh, it's Brian Fuller. Yeah, if anyone can make it good, it's him. It is, if anybody yes. can make that better than the best Anne Rice film ever made, Queen of the Damned. Did you did you guys feel my face when he said that? It was very hard for me to get those words did out. You, did you hear? I saw that fucking movie in the theater and I wanted my God. money back. It was so bad. I expected Ugh. it to be good. Interview with a Vampire wasn't bad. Interview with a Vampire was great. Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, a very young Kirsten Dunst who was great. Yeah. Uh, I could see she was a star even back then. I That's one of those movies, and I've talked about this before with a couple other films. That's one of those movies that I watched a shitload of times. Yeah, me too. Antonio Banderas. Oh, He was so fucking good. I had absolutely no respect for Antonio Banderas until I saw that movie. We should do that one next. You want to do Interview with Vampire next? Yes. I could probably go on and on about that movie, too. Yay. It's a great film. We're finally doing a vampire film, guys. I can't think of a better one to do. Yes. Is there absolutely. a better vampire movie than Interview with a Vampire? No. No, I don't think no. so either. Let's do that one. Yeah, okay. Okay. Um, um so we kind of sidetracked with talking about the Hannibal TV show, but it all it all connects. So I think we've gushed on about the Hannibal TV show and we're enough. like two fangirls over here just So Jordan Jordan has admitted shamefully that she has not seen Hannibal Rising and she's not seen Hannibal. 
Now, Hannibal Rising, yeah. I can't say much about because I watched it one time. It was good. It wasn't anything just super special to me. Yeah. I think when I watched it, I was doing something else. Didn't get much <laughs> out of it. Hannibal was the worst of the Hannibal movies, I think, but All it's of- still not bad. It's got Ray Liotta in it, and Ray Liotta is really a terrible actor whom I kind of hate. Who does he play? Ray Liotta plays an agent named Paul Krendler, who basically is the Will Graham Clarice Starling of this film. Uh, Spoiler alert, he is made to eat his own brains. Hannibal cuts his skull open, takes little bits of his brain out, fries it up, and feeds it to him. Interesting. Yeah. Gary Oldman was Mason Verger. Oh. Yeah. And of course, Julianne Moore plays Clarice. She kind of pops out at the end as a surprise, and it's just stupid. Um, and they they have a, a new and improved Hannibal mask. It's kind of like on Friday the 13th, 10, uh, Jason in Space or whatever it was called. Oh, Jason no. gets the metal mask. Well, yeah. well, Hannibal gets an upgraded mask, and he gets an upgraded dolly that they roll him around on. Uh-huh. This one can go upstairs. It's got like wheels that spin around it's like if somebody did a a scary movie version of the Hannibal Lecter series (laughs) it's terrible I'll look into it it's interesting to me because it is Hannibal Lecter yeah um but I can't make any promises but I'll 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 make a good I'll give it a good college try yeah no it's not it's got Gary Oldman in it I mean there's at least that yes Mason Verger is a great character uh, yeah, yes. You know, it, he was, of course, played by Michael Pitt in Hannibal, the TV show. He was replaced uh, after he became disfigured. They yes. re- replaced him with someone cheaper, I guess. Um. Okay, let's not talk about Joe like that. Joe Anderson, he's been in a lot of like indie stuff, but he was in he was in a musical movie, my favorite musical movie across the universe. Um, I know you probably haven't seen it. You Never should because it's great. It. No, but Joe Anderson is fantastic. And when I saw that it was him instead of Michael Pitt, I was like, oh, they put Joe in there. That's awesome. I love Joe. You actually recognized him underneath all the. Well, I, rec- I recognized his voice. Ah, I, recognized- yeah. I was like, hey. and, and that was kind of the big thing with that is the voice changed quite a bit between the two characters. Well, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Well, rumor has it that Michael Pitt was fired because he was an asshole. Not true. Oh. Michael Pitt's not an asshole. Lots of people that have worked with him said that they don't know where that rumor came from. Hmm. Michael Pitt left because he thought he was going to be a big star. And and then he wasn't. Everyone is great in this show. It was great. It's one of those shows that's just simply flawless. The, the fact that it got taken off the air is a tragedy, but, I mean, kudos to NBC for even airing it in the first place. Yeah. We got three seasons out of it. Yeah. So far. Yeah. I would love to see it come back. I don't think it will. Um, Mads Mikkelsen, of course, is bigger than Jesus now. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think he's too big to come back and do Hannibal. No. Well, but... I think I I think I read an article saying that Hugh Dancy and at least Mads Mikkelsen want to come back and do it. I have no doubt they could get Lawrence Fishburne back. Who do you think would make a good Clarice? Oh, that's that's a hard one. I can't. Well, in the habit of taking British actors and making them speak American, I want to go ahead and nominate Amelia Clark for Clarice. <gasps> Ooh, I like that. Yeah. She's got the chops to do it. Yes, she does. She's definitely got the chops to do it. I would I'd put my I put my vote in for her too. Yeah. 
Yeah. Fuck yeah. Okay. So Brian Fuller. Um, if I, you're listening. If you're, <laughs> Brian Fuller, when you hear this, um, it was my idea. I thought of it first. We want all the credits. We want. Uh, we just want to work on the show. I'll, I'll go fucking hold a boom mic. We'll be the gaffers. Yeah, I'll be your best boy. <laughs> I'll be your key grip. <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening to us. I know that we kind of got off on some rabbit trails, but I had a lot of fun with this. I mean, I don't get to talk about Hannibal really very much because anytime I bring it up, people kind of give me a look of like, why do you want to talk about Hannibal Lecter? And I'm like, because he's awesome. It's a fantastic series. Silence of the Lambs, which is was our main movie of the night. If you forgot. Is is <laughs> uh, is a very good installment in the series. But I mm-hmm. think that the best thing that this cinematic universe has to offer is the TV show. Watch it. I it's agree. It's fucking insanely good. I agree. And watch American Gods, also by Brian Fuller. Yes, please do, because season two is going to be coming out at some point, and it's going to be fantastic. Go watch it. Do it. You Do you it. people, you book purists are going to like it because it's pretty much word for word. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, it is. You want to tell them where you can find us? Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, so you can find us on iTunes under Dumpster Fire Cinema, Stitcher under something, Google Play <laughs> under something. You can hit us up on Twitter at... DF Cinema. And you can find us on Facebook at... Dumpster Fire Cinema. Email us at show at dumpsterfirecinema.com. Yep. Tell us, uh, you can suggest a movie for us to review. Um, yep. if, if we, uh, you know, if we like it, we'll review it. If we don't like it, we'll chastise you for it on air. <laughs> we haven't really had anybody email us yet. Nope. So we're getting fucking lonely over here, guys. So hit us up. We want our French listeners to email us and, and our, fin- <laughs> our Finnish listeners. Yeah. And, uh, oh, uh, we also broke into the market in Angola. So yeah, yeah. Send, wow. send us some sweaters, guys. Yeah. Um, okay, so we are going to be setting up a Patreon page for Dumpster Fire Cinema. We haven't decided on the levels yet, but if you, you know, if you donate to a special level, we are going to do a special episode that is music based because we talk about music a lot on this show. Um, we really focus on like composers or if, you know, for Empire Records, we really did not talk a whole lot about the music as much as we wanted to. Um, same for Dazed and Confused and, and a bunch of other movies that we've done. Um, so we really just want to do an episode solely based on music. And we're going to pick our favorite favorite musical tracks and we're going to talk about them and just kind of dissect them. Um, so, yeah, we're pretty stoked about that. I mean, we've we've been talking about it for the last couple of weeks. And so yeah, um, I'm I'm super excited to do it we're both huge music fans we go on about music a lot yeah so it's it's gonna be good stuff and we're actually gonna play the songs for you uh, yes don't tell anybody but we're we're gonna do that so copyright issues be damned yeah fuck copyright uh no. damn the man uh, save so, the podcast <laughs> so so basically um you know you may be asking yourself what do these two idiots need money for well i'm glad you asked <laughs> we are part of a production company. We yes. make films and we make these podcasts and all the money is going to go to uh, that. Uh, so if you want to find any of our other stuff that we do, go to uh, onichanproductions.com. That's O-N-I-I-C-H-A-N productions.com. And there's something there. I don't fucking know what it is, but yeah. <laughs> uh, but there's stuff there and, and we made it. So, yeah, definitely, you know, and it doesn't have to be a lot. 
of money. It can just be a couple dollars here and there, but that makes all the difference. It helps us to, to get equipment. It helps us with merch. It helps us if we travel. It helps us with trying to break into doing bigger projects, paying people for... Um, for cast and crew and stuff like that. So, I mean, we're, we're just slowly building, but you know, the more support that we can get, the better. So, um, we'll, we'll let everybody know and we'll share the crap out of when we get that Patreon page live. Um, so that way we can, we can start getting your money. (laughs) Point, point being, we need it. We need your money bad. Uh, so give it to us. Give it, give us all of it. Jordan says you don't have to give us a lot of money, but I say, give us all your money, (laughs) all of it. If, if you have to go given, bankrupt to support us, we're all about that. If you're not given 20%, then I don't even fucking want to talk to you. If <laughs> if you give 20% of your income, though, I will talk to you. You can call me. I'll give you my phone number. 20% Ooh. of your income. You can talk to Jordan. Jordan will come to your house. No. No, yeah. she won't. Jordan will come to your house and um, make you dinner. That's That's how people get killed, Aaron. Jordan will come to your house and she might or might not kill you. <laughs> Thank you again. No promises. <laughs> Thank you again for listening. Thanks, guys. We love you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Dumpstafar Cinema. Be sure to tell your friends. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. This has been Rogue Media Network Podcast.